Welcome to Emran's Podcast, episode number 57. This is your host, Suman Silwal. Scott Jerry here, just saying hello and uh, all those Alabama runners, get out there. This is two-part episode, where the first part of the episode, I talked to two Boston Marathon finisher and myself about our Boston Marathon experience. In the second part of the episode, I have short interviews with Boston Marathon runners, vendors, including Scott Zurich, First Lady of Running, and more. Enjoy the episode. I'd like to welcome uh, Steve Surpriser and uh, Craig Osborne. Uh, Steve is from uh, Chicago, Craig is from North Alabama, Huntsville area, and uh, just kind of bring both of you in this part of the podcast to just talk about uh, your Boston, our Boston experience. Three of us, we uh, we ran Boston. I think we all had different experience. Kind of bring, bring that to the audience and talk about the talk about Boston. This has been my second Boston, and um, last time it was raining, and I thought it was bad condition, and then this time we had a rain, I mean, hot condition. And for me, and both of you ran what? How many years have you have you both of you run or ran so far? I've done this was my third straight. <clears throat> so I ran the first one the when, last time you went up, and then ran it last year where Steve said he ran also. Yeah, and, and this was my fourth. So I, I've seen it from fifties and sunny to Craig, your first one of uh, pouring rain and gale force winds to two years of relatively warm weather now. One of the things that I, I'm hearing and when I inter- even interview the uh, race director of Boston, Dave, uh, talking about the weather, weather condition, looks like the weather condition is always X factor on, on the race, correct? Because when we went up there, it was supposed to be 40 degrees start and 60 degree finished, and it's kind of changed throughout the weekend. Is that always happens? Uh, I don't know. I, the, this is the really pro- first time I've, I've noticed really closely like that. You know, I, I've seen it. Uh, pretty much exactly how you described Suman, and, and that was um, if you look any in any given year, about two weeks out, and I'll start checking long long term weather forecasts in early April, and it has ranged from 40s to 60s, but we really just don't know until you you are within 24 to 72 hours of the race how things are going to shake out on patriots day uh just because of boston's geographic location so i think that creates a little bit of a dilemma for runners irrespective of where they're training in the country or around the world as to what weather is going to be like in new england in uh mid to late april well you can you can even go as far as training in in training down here we don't really know what it's going to our winters are going to be like i mean like last year we had a cold winter and then went up to a warm Boston. This year we had a warm winter and went up to a warm Boston. And, it, and even then it didn't really help a whole heck of a lot because, you know, the changes of humidity and things like that. Um, it is a big X factor, I think. Um, and like you said, checking two weeks out and then as you get closer and closer, you know, they start changing. And, and like you said, with uh, up in New England, you, you get a nor'easter that blows in at any time without warning. Um <laughs> And, you know, like, and, and then two years ago when it was 40 and raining, it was right after they had their huge snow up there. So maybe that the, the cold temperatures kind of hung around because of what was coming off the ground. And probably that's the reason. Uh, Steve, uh, uh, Craig and I, we kind of t- trained in the south. 
our winter is mostly mild compared to yours. You, you're in Chicago area. I mean, for you, how did you train for this race? And you, you finished very good, um, relatively good uh, for, for you, probably not that great, <laughs> like you mentioned, uh, but sub three finish is pretty good in that condition. How did you train for the warmer condition that, that, I mean, that you had to deal with on the race day? You know, Suman, that, that's a great question, and, and I'll I'll say it like this: This year, just because of coming off an injury, as we've talked about, uh, it was difficult for me to get a full training cycle in. That being said, I can share a little bit of the advice I use for training for Boston in any given year, and and what I tell some of the runners that I coach here in Chicago and around the Midwest, which is um, Chicago, similar to the South, uh, we do have colder winters, but uh, the climate does vary from season to season. So as early as last summer, uh, Farmer's Almanac was saying that it was going to be a bitterly cold winter. Did that wind up happening? No. We actually had a fairly mild winter with very little uh, in the way of precipitation uh, and snow here in Chicago. So I, I would say that the majority of runners that I knew, and, and Illinois has, I, I believe, eight or 900 runners that run Boston every year, were able to get outside and, and put in some good workouts. And I think one of the fortuitous things this year in particular uh, was that we had several weekends in February and into March where the weather did go up into the 60s and in some cases even the low 70s, which made for doing long runs uh, particularly valuable. I, I would say what I saw as a problem with any number of runners, whether they admit it or not, is that I, I think we tend to often be the kind of individuals that go out and do our runs very early in the morning when the temperatures are still low. And they forget that Boston is a 10.30 or 10 a.m. start. And... Uh, if you really want to maximize the the ability to do a hot weather workout, especially in the winter, you need to be looking at a midday to late afternoon run, which is when I tried to do as many of my long runs as possible. Here in the Midwest, the other factor that I try and take into account is uh, going up to northwestern Illinois, about 40 to 50 miles northwest of Chicago, uh, out in uh, uh, the rural areas to do hill workouts, uh, given that uh, the the real goal is to try and prepare for Newton as much as possible. But uh, Craig, as you said, weather in my mind, it, it's really one of the few things I can't control and that we can't control. And I'm a big believer on control the controllables, but uh, we just don't know what the weather is going to be like on on uh, Patriots Day. And and that's I think the crux for any runner from elite all the way down to their first Boston as to what to expect uh, on that Monday in any given year. And to, to tag on to one thing that you said about the late start, I mean, it's it's not only just running, you know, training your legs for that later start, in the um, but also your nutrition going into it also. Because like you said, you know, we're, we're used to early starts for just about every event that we do. And you have your little routine for what you're going to eat and what you're going to supplement and everything else leading into it. And you got to, even if you make those adjustments, your body's still not used to that. So you really have to, you know, like about a month out, you know, train your body for that different, totally different time zone, even if it means that you're really hungry for your normal breakfast time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that was a good point about uh, late start. I uh, didn't even think about that uh, that way. 
I mean, personally, I really didn't train for Boston specifically. I was just going from race to race, but <laughs> that's the way I was doing it this year. But I promised myself next time, next time, if I ever appear in Boston again, I'll train for Boston like uh, what you're talking about, Steve, just kind of be more focused. The only good part for us uh, here here in Alabama, we don't have to drive three, four hours to find a hill, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's, no, no, I only have to drive 45 minutes to oh, find it. Oh, 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we pace that. Steve and I, we pace the Chicago Marathon, and we all know how flat it is over there. So so uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the race day. I'll tell you that uh, for me is um, I started, uh, I wanted to run Puss Little, and uh, very early I knew that day is not going to turn out the way I want it so I think I had a good 5k 10k even up to half I had a really good and then kind of things start falling apart but I did manage to kind of push through it uh, more than what I did last time uh, I was last time when I was there I was doing I was uh, eating and taking pictures and selfies and all kind of things. You were the <laughs> selfie king last time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this time, I, I, I really wanted to correct it. Just trust me, I, I even thought about you because I wanted to like, take out a video camera several times, but I only took out twice. That's that's really unusual <laughs> for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I did manage to run, I think. This time I want to fill the course end to end, um, and uh, probably when I when I go next time I'll do it better. But but uh, but that's saying that uh, the whole experience of uh, Boston was just going through the rolling hills, and and it was pretty pretty interesting for me because that's the first time I really really felt the course. Uh, Steve, you ran what uh, four times? So tell us about your experience in the race day. Yeah, I, I think this year. Uh in particular, just not having trained as well as I normally do. I didn't really internalize that I was running 26 miles until we were at Athletes Village putting sunscreen on and lip balm on. Uh, and even then, I don't think I really was fully prepared mentally until we were pretty much in the corral. And, and I don't look at that as necessarily a bad thing because I think we as runners tend to overthink many aspects of our training regimen up to race day. Uh, Boston, just because of the intensity of the course uh, in particular. But I will say that going into race day, coming off of both an Achilles injury as well as knee injuries, uh, my goal was to go out with a very good friend of mine who was shooting for anywhere between 250 to three hours. And uh, I think given that mindset, uh, when we were in the corral, we both had the same Garmin GPS watch on. And our goal, having both run Boston before, was to go out, um, take the first few miles about 15 to 20 seconds per mile faster than our goal pace, uh, which is pretty much the standard that I find uh, works best for runners is to be a little bit aggressive on the downhills, but not to the extent of overly fatiguing your body. And then our goal was to settle in and, um, and and maintain pace, which we wound up doing, I think, pretty successfully of keeping each other in check and uh, really pumping the fluids pretty much mile three onwards, both with Gatorade and water uh, for consumption, but then also for uh, dumping on our heads and dumping on our torsos uh, so that from a thermal regulation perspective, we could keep our core body temperature uh, as, uh, as as controlled as possible. Was it a tough day? Absolutely. I, I think for for me, I was still feeling pretty good at at 
uh, 23, 24. But by the time we rolled into Brookline and then um, into Fenway Kenmore, I, I think that's when the, the, the heat finally started to really take a toll on me. But uh, I think keeping a steady and consistent pace and managing our intake of uh, a Gatoring water uh, wound up being incredibly important. Not just for us, but for for any runner out on the course, uh, given the weather. Definitely, I I think I've been ninety percent of water water station. I drank water, or maybe, maybe even hundred percent. A couple of places they were handing out the water bottles and stuff, so I used that. So, so I was well hydrated. Hydration was not my issue, but uh, just I don't know. I, I guess I was just overheated, uh, fatigue from uh, all the races I've been doing. So so there's a lot of thing happened to me, but I. I I'm glad I I felt the course, so I'll be ready for next time. What about you, Craig? Um, when I I started off and I've I felt pretty good and through about seven and and you know started rolling in about mile ten and you know you had that big open area in around mile ten and where that sun was beating down that's where I first started making adjustments. Um, I had a hydration plan going in and I was pretty much sticking to that. Uh, I actually was managed to stick with my hydration through, uh, you know, into Newton. Um, and, but, you know, I, I kept checking my pace and even though I was feeling bad, my pace was okay. My, my legs felt great. Um, like you, Steve, I came off of injuries last year. Also, I had, um, hamstring issues and hip issues, uh, from March on last year and didn't get over that until January of this year. But I was able to, you know, go through the trail season here to get myself a little bit more in, into shape for running. Um, Boston. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I kept my hydration, kept going and got through, got a nice little lift through Wellesley, you know, I was, and I was thinking about you, Suman, <laughs> yeah. going through Wellesley. Yeah, I did and stop I knew you were along the kissing line. Yeah, I, I did stop over for that one, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Not as many, and not as frequent stop like I did last time. It was a, I had a couple, <laughs> a couple of stops. I had four this year, which is a new record for me. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I, kept, I kept looking, looking, looking. I, I would pass a kiss girl and i would think about it by that time i was already passing i wasn't going to go backwards yeah you can't just look you just have to stop that's the hard stop there so anyway go ahead so anyway you know we got into newton and you know that's you know, i started thinking about newton thinking about newton and that's where i started overthinking a little bit for myself um and you know even even through then i you know i, I kept modifying what i was doing in order to, to make things you know reasonable i knew i wasn't going to hit my a goal and my, and my b goal was pretty much was close to being trashed at that time too uh we got to the top of heartbreak there and a couple local runners caught up to me at that point and i tagged on with them got things back together you know we and we were zigzagging across the course to go through the water hydrants and find any type of uh, wet towels and anything like that to keep you know the body temperature down a little bit at 23 was my critical mistake um i forgot that at 23 they only have uh, fluids on one side of the road, and I was hitting the left side almost all the way through. And so I missed the water station at 23. And when I got through with that, I started getting lightheaded, nauseous, um, uh, dry mouth. So I knew I was in trouble at that point. So I, I put her down into walk mode for 24 and 25, and then uh, you know I hit those 24 and 25 aid stations and was able to pick it up and you know finish you know fairly decently. But uh, you know it was you you have to be flexible. You have to have you know your A through D goals, and uh, you know heck, you're just to make it there. You know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but just to make it there, being able to be part of it all and everything, that's that's the victory in itself. And if you can requalify, that's the total 
on victory. Definitely. I mean, being in back in Boston, that's that was other question I had for each of you. It's like, why Boston? You know, why it's so important in Boston? I mean, there's other races we could run. For me, it's uh, being in Boston. It's like uh, going in a pilgrimage, I guess. It's almost like pilgrimage uh, because I, I run anything between one one mile to 100 mile races, you know. But going in Boston is totally different. The city, the way, the things, you know, it's totally different. Uh, and I did like they had a water, water hydrant, you know, spraying water from the people's yard and all this. And that was really good. I mean, it helped me to cool down too. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to requalify to go back to Boston. 2018 is looking really difficult for me, but but we'll see. Yeah, I still have a whole summer to train. So so uh, talking about um, Boston. Uh, so tell us. Uh, I just mentioned why I want to go back. Why why do you guys want to go back? I mean, Steve, you have done four times. Are you going to go back next year? Yeah, I, ideally, I would like to go back uh, every year for uh, the next gosh 21 years to get. Yes. On the uh, the quarter century club uh, plaque that they have. Um, How old are you, Steve? Uh, twenty four. So okay, so you're <laughs> a young. Hey, guy. Yeah, he he yeah. has he has a while to go. So it, 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 it's funny because I I know of um uh sub elite athletes, both male and female, that have done everything from family planning around the Boston Marathon. Um, so when they're going <laughs> to have their kids, um. Uh, and I think to answer the question of why Boston and, and why people, for example, go to that extreme, uh, I, I think it's both the history of the race and, and the the fact that it is such a, a pilgrimage, it, 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 as you described it, Suman. Um, if you look at Patriots Day in particular compared to any number of other races that I have, have run or that you've run, uh, Boston has always been the race of the people. It was always a race for amateurs. For for the longest time, for decades, they didn't even offer fees to bring in outside uh, pro runners. And when you look at the number of establishments and organizations that have their employees go out on their lunch break, uh, the kids that have off of school that day, the, the 9,000 plus volunteers that are out there, uh, the million plus spectators. It really is uh, a community event for every town along that course. And that I think in and of itself separates it from a lot of other races. But I think also with us being endurance runners, there's something about that challenge of getting to Boston uh, with individuals that I coach. It's that desire that one day they will get to Boston uh, and that's a big honor and accomplishment for them to be able to qualify. So uh, it's not something that I take lightly uh, to be able to go there every year. Uh, it's something that I, I think the 30,000 plus runners, each of us has to have some sense of gratitude to be able to go there. And, and as I said, just the overall climate within the city that weekend uh, there are very few, if any, races that I have ever run in that uh, that that have that similar energy and and uh, that kind of environment. Definitely, uh, talk about that climate. And I mean, you know, before Boston, the finishing line, walking around. I did some Facebook live from there too. It's just just incredible, you know, just finishing line. I, I Chicago. You do you see a finishing line walking around? No, it's never going to happen there. And I don't even remember New York and in none of none of the other cities. And Boston's uh, fencing line, Boston Street, they block that whole block. And you just walk around and just take a picture and <laughs> night before or two days before the race. Um, and also a little uh, mention about volunteers, that they're incredible volunteer and amount of volunteer. The funniest part of the volunteer I saw was they even had a volunteer for trash cans. So 
That that was really interesting for me to see. Yeah, so much, so many volunteers, so so many varieties, and so much think they do. Uh, Craig, why 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 you wanted to go Boston? Are you going back next year? Uh, next year, no. Uh, I don't have a qualifier for next year. I also have a different challenge set up in the spring for next year. Um, but uh, I fully intend to be back there in 19 and 20, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because I get to cross age groups. Uh, but in, in 2020, I'll, I'll get an extra 15 minutes of qualifying for that. Yeah, Steve, I'm 58. So you know. <laughs> I'm a little envious there. Yeah. <laughs> 14 years before they let me go five minutes faster. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, the but... thing, thing is, though, is my son, uh, he he wants to start running marathons as soon as possible, and he's going to have to have that faster start. And if I'm in, in and he needs a um, kind of like a guide, he's uh, autistic, and uh, so he needs someone to watch over him. And I don't know if I can go that fast. <laughs> um, but, you know, speaking of that, um, I mean, first, first of all, from my standpoint, I look at Boston as being like our Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl of running, you know, or the World Series or anything like that. It's a culmination. It's something that you have to totally earn your way into. And, you know, for the layman, if you're an elite, you know, that's a little bit different story now. Um, like you said, in the past, it wasn't like that. But, you know, now um, for the layman, it's something that you totally have to earn. So that makes it, you know, and, and that's why you see. Even with the conditions that we had the past two years, you still see a 96, 97 percent completion rate because people are heading back out from those medical tents, AMA, against medical advice to finish and get that unicorn medal. Um, you know, you'll see fancier medals around the country for different things, but I, I think that most people would probably trade those fancy medals for a Boston unicorn. Um, my family loves going up there. My boys both love visiting the city. My wife loves visiting the city. Um, we got to do something special this year with my son and I running the 5K two days beforehand. And my wife wants to do that next time we go up there. Um, it's just the environment. Uh, even even people that you know just are out on the streets working um, in the hotels, the restaurants, uh, people that you see, you know, if they see anything marathon related, they're going to bend over backwards for you. Um, I mean, they may honk and run over their locals, but as far if anybody's got marathon stuff, they're going to, you know, stop and let them through. Uh, it's something that that whole community believes in and they show it. And anybody that's ever been there gets it from their first time there. Definitely. That really ends, uh, what are we trying to, uh, do this in this podcast what you what you have uh said craig uh basically boston the running of boston why we run in boston why we want to come back over and over that that i get that i get asked that question several times and you know we all have different meaning to it i think at the end of the day we we know exactly what it means for each of us and they're they're very similar and sometimes they're exact what you said so uh before we uh finish our interview do you guys want to say anything out there listening to us who wants to run a next boston and uh fast or slow or or just wanted to be qualified do you guys want to say anything steve i'll start because you you're the faster guy so <laughs> well, thank you. I'm honored. Uh, you know, first, before I say that, I'll add one more metaphor into why Boston, which is uh, really my favorite part of the course every year. And I think one of the biggest honors as a runner uh, is to be able to run alongside uh, both Team Hoyt, but also our our veterans and those that have come back from the 2013 bombings and have shown some of the, the, the most amazing resiliency that I have ever seen with uh, their desire to come back, uh, many of them 
uh, amputees and, and run Boston again. And I think that speaks volumes not only to, uh, to them, but also to the culture out there that it really fosters that uh, as part of our sport. Um, transitioning to your question, Sumam, which is advice for first-timers that, that want to qualify or want to run Boston. Um, qualifying, I always recommend coming in about two and a half to three minutes faster than your qualifying time just because of the cutoffs. Uh, Boston is a popular race to get into, and uh, ideally you want to be shooting for a little bit under whatever your qualifying time is. Uh, The second piece of advice is generally for runners that are going to Boston or or going to train for Boston, which is um, make sure you can play the hills as much as possible. So train on hills, do your long runs on hills, but not just the uphills. Um, I think a lot of runners forget those first five to six miles are fairly steep declines that uh, tax your, your quads and hamstrings quite a bit. And as we've talked about earlier, it, it is a midday race. There is not a lot of shade on the course, and it is at a variable time of year when it comes to weather. So to the extent that you can vary your runs uh, in terms of time of day, in terms of the climate, and, and be prepared for both warm and cold weather, that's going to give you a little bit of an advantage compared to someone who maybe didn't acclimate or maybe didn't do hills or maybe was only used to running at 5.30 to 6 a.m. in the morning. Outside of that, I think it, it's enjoy the experience. There, there's really no race out there that's quite like it. I have a ton of fun every year, even when I'm racing it competitively. Uh, it, it's a wonderful day and a, a fantastic weekend, my favorite weekend of the year. Uh, adding on to what what you've said, Steve. Um, I mean, you're a coach. I'm a coach. Uh, I think that the, those people that are really serious about qualifying for Boston, I would say, get a coach, uh, someone that can, you know, even if you know what you're doing or think that you know what you're doing, it's something that you can bounce ideas off of. Uh, and if and if that coach happens to have been a Boston runner in the past, they can uh, give you some insight that you know more than likely when you first get there, you're probably not going to believe it. Exactly. And a little anecdote to to uh, to put into that is uh, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, Instagram post that Jordan Hasse uh, put out there um, showed her in a pair of Normatec um, sleeves on her legs, you know, uh, af- afterwards. And she stated that um, that she thought that people were being overly dramatic about the effect of, of the Boston Hills on her legs. And she she said that afterwards she felt like both her quads were totally torn Um you do need to downhill run a lot. Exactly. And that's one thing that I did differently this year in my own training was I did so, you know, repeats off of a fairly steep grade. It was happened to be paved grade, but still um, that um, was a mile, a mile and a quarter up and a mile and a quarter back. And, and I did a number of repeats on that. And my legs actually felt the better this year than, than they ever have. And also, like you said, Steve, enjoy the experience the first time you get there for sure. Um, don't go into it that you're going to PR. You might by accident, but if you if you're, it's also if you take taking in your surroundings up there, you're going to really lose track of what you're doing in a good way. I mean, it's going to make you float where you know at other times you might be having troubles. Exactly. I think people forget that Boston has a million plus spectators and fans that are out there on the course, and to get lost in that to the extent you can. Uh, definitely eases the burden for me and for, I think, a lot of us other runners every year when we go out there. It's not like you're the only person that's out there on the course, uh, and that helps a ton. Definitely. 
Uh, for me, I would, I would like to give advice uh, to people who listen in the runners. Uh, I always say to say to runners uh, that I get contact with, I, I, I tell them that you should always dream about Boston, whether you are able to qualify now or later or whenever. You should always have a Boston as your goal. And uh, I, I, I didn't know that I was going to qualify, but there, there came a day, and I did qualify. I had to do a lot of different things to qualify. I had to train harder, but the first one was difficult. The second one came a little easier. I'm waiting for the third one. But, but once once you qualify, getting to Boston is, uh, for me, is just totally different experience. I enjoy the environment, the people, like all of um, both of you talking about, and, and a lot of us here about the Boston. Just every moment I was there, I was like, I was really was enjoying. I even went back day after and wanted to see how the finishing line looked like that it was actually uh, pretty much taken everything was taken out I I'm, uh, I, I was told that they will repaint that uh, finishing line it's a permanent finishing line but they will repaint it again so Boston the tradition and everything just just so rich um, that as a runner um, I we should uh, at least uh, run a Boston once in our life and qualify but but I know some of some of some of us can but even then you should have a dream or maybe just volunteer one day to to uh, to to be a part of Boston and Boston experience. Thanks for uh, both of you uh, coming to this podcast. A quick talk about Boston Boston experience in a 2017 Boston Marathon. So so uh, I know both of you are busy today, but I hope you all recover. I forgot to ask that. <laughs> I have a big sir coming up next week, so so I'm, I'm trying to quickly recover back and try to get a little bit faster. Uh, it has, At least you're not running London tomorrow. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm glad I'm not lo- running London. Big Sur is this week. Actually, this year, Big Sur is uh, 13 days instead of six, so usually. So so that's what I'm looking forward for. Um, and uh, thanks for coming to the to the show. You, you, do you guys want to say any last word? Uh, well, thanks for talking to us. And uh, I mean, I know that uh, I think I'll say, speak for Steve, too. We, we always enjoy sharing the stories, don't we, dude? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's funny how every year when I go to the pasta party or at Fenway afterwards, it's nothing but stories of, about not really the bad, but about what a great experience it was out in Boston. And Suman, thank you for having us both on and for, for hosting this. I think it's, uh, as you said, really the pinnacle event in the running community. And uh, best of luck to all those listening who uh, are trying or will qualify for Boston for next year. Definitely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I have uh, Scott Zurich here uh, at, at the Boston uh, Club. Hi, oh, hi there, Scott. Hey, hey. I'm going to put you in the audio. So. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Where are you from? From Birmingham, Alabama. Great. Yeah, Alabama. Got some good, you know, great running community there in Birmingham. Yeah. I've, I've been done some stuff down Gulf Shore before. So Definitely. Now, yeah. And do you uh, run with uh, a club out of Birmingham? Yeah. And also Butts Group. We have a Butts Group out there. So uh, we're, we're running. We'll say hello to all the Alabama runners out there. Yeah. You want to say hello to Alabama runners? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. Scott Jurek here. Just saying hello and uh, all those Alabama runners, get out there. I know you don't have a lot of hills, but. <laughs> yeah, we have enough of our hills, but, but come run Alabama sometime. Oh, yeah, we'll do. Take care. I have Nina Kusika here at the Runners World, and uh, she's signing books. She's one of the first lady of running. Uh, 
tell us how tell us uh, when did you start running well I always ran as a teenager just for fun for exercise I used to bike race and speed skate and roller skates ice skates I was a champion but I used to like to run and then when the um, jogging book came out <laughs> I said okay <laughs> I can do this <laughs> and then I just started and with a couple of my ice skating friends they were guys and we all started running and um, then I came to Boston. Boston was the only marathon, the only race I knew about. So we all came to Boston. Of course, I was unofficial, but um, yeah, that was my first marathon. So when did you run your first Boston marathon? Well, I, ha I had to get a rules change, and uh, so I got the change in December 1971. So women could run marathons. So the first official one was 1972, and I, I happened to win it that year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations for that. Uh, uh, it's a long way away. Um, tell us uh, if a if little girl dreaming about uh, running a Boston Marathon, like my daughter here, what would you like to tell? Well, I didn't know about it when I was a little girl, but I think just, just watching it and if they show people uh, like enjoying it, some people can be tired and they accept that they're tired. Um, and just the, 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 the idea that if you train for it, you're not going to hurt yourself. And this is one of the things you want to do in life. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for talking to me. <laughs> okay. I have a Patty Dillon here. Uh, she is one of the first ladies of uh, running. Uh, Patty, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, it's nice to meet you. Great, excellent. Nice meeting you too. Tell us, uh, tell us about your running, uh, running journey. When did you start? Tell us the story. Oh, I started running in '76, March, um, to lose weight and to lose weight in the good vein. So that's basically it. And but also, I really wanted to be happy and. Uh, be nice to myself so I went on this campaign to be nice to myself and at first it was just bubble baths and stuff but what ultimately I wanted to do was to feel good like I did when I was a kid and I was very active when I was a kid I swam rode my bike and played around so that's what I went back to I, I rode my bike until um, somebody went by in a car and whacked me off my bike so I didn't do that anymore and then I started I was a swimmer so I went swimming and I did that until the doors weren't open they were locked at five six in the morning so I couldn't do that and I didn't want to rely on anybody or anything so in quick succession I started running and I loved it not so much the act of it but I love the after effects and one thing led to another and I found out that hey you know if you work hard you can do anything anybody can do anything if they work hard enough and it all depends on how hard you want to work and I was a worker and I started running and I won uh, my first race and I was winning pretty consistently and of course that's addictive and it you get you recover quicker when you when you win and I wanted to do a marathon and I had to train for it and my highest mile of week at that time for the marathon was 40 miles and I would do a 16 mile run and take the day next I take a week off but things have changed and then I ended up being um, former American American record holder for three times in the marathon and I had 16 American or world records that if I was running today I'd still be ranked one of the top American runners Guys, I'm I'm here at the Hopkins Commons uh, at, the, at the starting line of uh, Boston Boston Marathon, and I found um, information desk that I didn't know that it existed when I ran it last time. I have a Mary Jo here. Um, she is a volunteer here, and she's been volunteer 30 years. And uh, I just realized that I'm going to Web Two 33 years. Web Two, and uh, she will be a shooting gun. T Mary Jo, t tell us about uh, what what got you started running or being part I don't of run. it. 
and being a, being a part of this uh, event. People ask me, oh, you run the Boston Marathon. I go, no, I run it, not in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, yep. you, you make you make it make people to go. Yep, I help people out, but I don't run it. <laughs> so, so what is your favorite part of the part of the race? People, all the people, all over the place, Canada, Korea, and they come in, they sign my tablecloth, and they're wonderful. It's just, it's fabulous. Yeah, I'm representing country of Nepal as well. So. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So don't forget to sign. Yeah, I, I did sign it here, right okay. here. So. Yeah. So thanks, thanks, thanks. And a lot of Canadians and a, and a lot of people from all over the world. And one of my favorite people was at the 100s, which was 21 years ago now. Uh, a woman came up and she was in her 70s, probably the late 70s, from China. And she said that they let her come that year because she had run it 50 years before. Wow, that's a great story. So we treated her well <laughs> nice little lady that's that's great thanks for hosting us here at the hopkinton common you're very welcome we love having you <laughs> see you monday see you monday i'm here at the food truck uh, experiencing here hopkinton hopkinton's commons and uh, yep. i have um i have a couple of guys here let's talk about it well, what bob is it is talking. bob go ahead bob i, I wanted to see some boss snacks and going okay we, we do this to raise money for our Santa Claus parade for the kids. That's what it's all about. When you see the kids smile, that gets you hooked. So, so you guys, you just said that you guys are all volunteer to do things. Yes, every one of us here. Do you do every year this thing? Yeah, this is our 20th year. Wow, that's that's great. And uh, we just had this. What do you call? We we just bought uh, fried dough. Fried dough, and then you have you have a. Uh, burger going and we have and hamburgers hot dogs we have pulled pork uh, porkettas yeah next year maybe you have a some veggie burger for people like a, a wanderer i'll like make me. sure i'll make sure you have it. if you're here you'll have a veggie burger right, next year. thank you thanks for thanks for all you do for the for the little kids ah you're welcome we enjoy it enjoy being here for you guys too thank you hey guys i have a dog here at night runner pro uh, it's interesting concept um for me, there's uh, there's a series. I'll let uh, Doug to kind of tell us what it is. Yeah, we we have uh, Night Runner 270 shoe lights, which puts out 150 lumens, three hours of battery life, clips on your shoelaces, keeps you safe and injury free. Uh, but our new model, the Night Runner Pro, is coming out in December, and that is uh, 300 lumens, 10 hours of battery life, uh, and it's also Bluetooth connected, which gives you uh, visual flash alerts for di distance, pace, and time. Uh, so uh, that we're out there to keep people safe and, and uh, uh, light their way with uh, being as uh, unobtrusive to what they're doing as possible. Definitely. Uh, is this only for the road running or can you do this go to out on the trail as well? Well, they work great for both. Uh, so the, the benefits on the trail is that you've got a low trajectory of lighting, a 30-foot beam distance. It gives you a long shadow so you can tell obstacles that are in your path. Uh, for urban running, uh, you can be seen from the sides and the rear because you have rear-facing red lights and side lighting. So it gives you 270 degrees of visibility all the way around the runner. Great, this sounds like a great product for you guys to check out. Where can we find this uh, your product out there? Yes, you can check us out at nightrunner270.com. Uh, and uh, you can pick up both our existing uh, 270 and our Night Runner Pro. Great, thank you. And we'll ho hopefully some of you check them out. So great for the trail running, road running, all those things we, we do out there. Hey guys, I'm uh, I'm in the bus. I'm almost almost at the Hop Hopkinton 
commons. I think that's what they call it. And uh, I have Bill here. We've been riding and talking, chitter chatting for a long time. And Bill's been running for a long time. How long have you been running, Bill? Uh, since I was 14, so 48 years. So he claims that today is his last Boston or last marathon. Last marathon and all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you have done what? 11th, uh, 11? Uh, 11 Bostons, and this will be my 17th marathon. Wow. So, so he's been running for a long time, and he's claiming to be uh, this will be last and. You know how that goes for you guys. You, I <laughs> <laughs> will see. Yeah. So, you, you, what are you going to do once you retire from running, uh, running a marathon? I'm going to run half marathons. Great. What, what are you looking for a time for today? Uh, three thirty-five. Three thirty-five. Great. That's a good time. And uh, today's being a little warm. Kind of have to watch out for the weather and and what happens. So, any 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 tips for the people who wants to run this marathon? What do you like to say? I like to say uh, train hills. And make sure that you know your pace. Great. Thanks, Bill, and good luck. And, and I had a great time talking to you today. Uh, and same here. I have a Dan from Omaha, Nebraska, who ran, uh, who, who, who has been running in Boston since 2005. He's starting. This was your 50th, you said. Go ahead and go ahead and work. It's my 50th overall marathon, 12th Boston. And you're about to turn 50, so. Yes, I turned 50 on Wednesday. Dan, uh, out of all these 12 years you've been running, what is your favorite memory? My, my favorite memory specifically of Boston was today when I finished. Um, I wore a, a special singlet that said 50th marathon, 50th birthday. And the, the woman that gave that put the medal around my neck congratulated me and, and said thank you for coming to Boston. And I said, and, and congratulated me on 50 marathons. And I said, it was only due to this guy. And I pointed upwards to, to, the, to our Lord. Definitely. Uh, so, so you, you had a great race today. How was your race for you today? It was a, it was a little bit of a rough race, but I, I did as good as I could with the heat. So I, I felt like I did it. I, I, I did my best with it anyway. So it, it certainly was. It's a far from personal best for me, but I, I got through it as good as I could. So are you coming back next year? I am. I my previous marathon was the Louisiana Marathon, and I, I had a very good qualifying time for that. So yes, I I plan as long as I can keep qualifying for Boston, I'll keep coming back. Definitely, that's what one thing I say is as long as I qualify for Boston and if I can make it, I'm coming. Yes, yes. How many Bostons have you done? This was my second Boston. Oh, great, great. Thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emruns Podcast. Please subscribe to Emruns Podcast channel, Voice of Runners. Also, follow Emruns.com's social media handle, Marathon Runs, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram for recent updates, photos and more.